Hi everyone, Pastor Gregory Bartram here, lead pastor here at Destiny Church, where your history doesn't define your destiny. I just want to welcome you to Your Destiny Podcast. Thanks for listening. And my prayer is that the message that you hear today brings healing, hope, and ultimately transformation. Hope you enjoy the message. Go with me to John chapter 11. John chapter 11. John chapter 11. John chapter 11. Before we read tonight, let me say something. I believe that right now in this moment, in this atmosphere, we are standing in a dressing room. Every time we come to church, every time we stand in his presence, it is the moment that something changes. I'm going to say it again. Right now in this atmosphere, in the presence of the Lord, we are in a changing room, a dressing room, where we lay aside one thing so that we can pick up something greater. How many knows... Elisha had to rend his garments before he could receive the mantle of Elijah. You say, preacher, I want something greater, and I would and I would hear God say this. Then what is it that you need to rend off and put off? Because you can't put something greater on if you can't take the lesser off. Amen. And so I want to say tonight, if we want, if we're desiring a move of God, then there are some things in our lives that we have to put off if we want to put something greater on. I believe that we are getting ready to step into a season where we are going to put on some greater things. We are going to wear some greater things. We are going to walk in some greater anointings and greater power and greater authority, amen? But for us to reach down and take hold of the greater, how many knows first we have to rend some things that may not be for this season. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. It might have been okay for the last season. It might have been okay for the last season, but in this season where we're stepping into, we have to rend some things. We have to rend some garments if we want greater garments. And I believe tonight God is going to give some people some greater garments if you can believe it with me by faith. That tonight somebody is going to reach down and grab a hold of the mantle and the ministry and the anointing that God has for your life. I believe it. And tonight, so let me say it again, and I need you to get this in your spirit. Tonight is the moment that we step into the dressing room. Here you go. This is the night you step into the phone phone booth. Some of these kids don't know what a phone booth is. Clark Clint, Clark, Clark Kent, this is the moment you step into the phone booth, but you're not going to come out as Clark Kent. You're going to come out as some, somebody greater and more powerful. This is the moment. I feel it in my spirit. John chapter 11, beginning with verse number 38. Jesus, therefore, again groaning in himself, coming to the grave. It was a cave and a stone laid upon it. Jesus said, take you away the stone, Martha. Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead four days. Jesus saith unto her, said I not unto thee, that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see what? The glory of God. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me, and I knew that thou hearest me always. But because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he thus said spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth bound hand and foot with grave clothes and his face was bound about with a napkin Jesus saith unto them loose him and let him go 
I want to read verse 44 again. And he that was dead came forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus saith unto them, Loose him and let him go. I want you to turn with me to Ephesians chapter number four. I have another passage of scripture that I need to to read tonight. Ephesians chapter number four. Beginning with verse number 22, Paul writes to the church of Ephesus and he says that ye put off, everybody say put off, that ye put off concerning the former conversation the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye put on the new man, everybody say new man, which after God, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. I want you to notice what Paul says here to the Ephesian church. He says, put off and put on. Put off and put on. Tonight I want to talk about, I want to to preach a message called take off the grave clothes. Take off the grave clothes. Father, bless the reading of your word. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You can be seated. Take off the grave clothes. I am convinced that if you want something greater, how many knows you have to take off something lesser? That's how, that's how the kingdom operates. If you want something greater, you have to make room for it. You have to make a room for it. The old and the new cannot exist together. You have to give up one for the other. If you want to see new things, how many knows you got to let go? You got to let go of the old. The church is crying out, God, do a new thing. And God says, if you want to see me do a new thing, then you've got to let loose of an old thing. And I've come to declare to you tonight that God is getting ready to do a new thing. But he's only going to do a new thing for those that are willing to let go of an old thing. It's one thing to reach for your future, but it is a difficult thing to reach for your future at the same time holding on to your past. You're going to have to let something loose. You're going to have to let something go if you're going to reach out and grab a hold and possess the greater that God has before you. I believe tonight God has some garments, God has some clothing, God has some mantles that he wants to release on your life. But God is saying, but if you want what I have, you've got to lose what you got. And Destiny Church, listen to me. I believe we cry, God, give us revival. And God says, are you making room for revival? We say, God, we want you to do a new thing. And God says, why do I see so much old things in your life? God, I believe you got a destiny in the future. And God says, but why do you still struggle and, 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 and wrestle with the things that are behind you? And I'm here to tell you that if you want God to put something on you, you got to take something off. You have to take off the old mindset. You have to take off the old lifestyle. You have to take off the old habits. You got to take it off. But I guarantee you the garment and the clothing and what God wants to endue you with is so much greater than anything that you could ever imagine. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has it entered into the hearts of men the things. Everybody say things. The things that God has prepared for them that love him. I want to tell you, if you really love God, you don't care to lose things. Why? Because you know he's got greater things. Everybody say things. Jesus said this. He said, seek first the kingdom of, of heaven, the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things. I believe God's got some great things in store for you. I believe God's got some great things in store for this church. But I believe that if we are ever going to possess them, encounter them, and experience them, we got to take some things off. 
We gotta take off the unforgiveness. We gotta take off the, the shame. We gotta take off the guilt. We gotta take off the excuses. We gotta, we gotta take off the, the laziness. We gotta take off the lukewarmness. We gotta take off the casual Christianity. We gotta take off all these things and say, God, now I'm ready for what you want to lay on me. And, and Lord, I want you to put it on me. I want a, I want a greater anointing. I want a greater thing. I want, I want to encounter you in greater measures, greater dimensions. God, do it. But I want to tell you, God is ready to do it. In the Old Testament, there was a ceremony that the priests would perform and when, whenever the, the nation was corrupt, when the nation was going, to, going against God, they would stand in the holy place and they would rim their garments. They would tear their garments, which was an expression of what their hearts felt like. They, they were rending their garments because their hearts was rent before God. And I believe that there's... There, there are so many things that God wants to pour out on the church, but the church's heart is not ready. And I believe it's not, listen, the heavens will never be rent until our hearts are first rent first. Until there is a group of people saying, God, I'm tired of wearing these old things. I'm ready to have a new wardrobe. I'm ready to wear a greater anointing. I'm ready to see a greater thing over my life. God says, I will not pour it out until you first rend your heart and make room inside of your heart. You got to tear it. You got to rip it. You got to be broken and as you're rending your heart and as you're tearing some things out, I believe that the heavens will begin to release and pour out something that you have, never, you have never experienced or encountered before in your life. And I believe that's a word for this church. We got to take off if we want to put on. We have to take off if we want to put on. I know what happened in the past. I know what happened in the last season, but that's the last season. That's the past. Leave it there. Why? God's got greater for you. Take it off. Take it off. Take it off. It's amazing to me how Jesus is in Bethany. Jesus the one that can raise the dead, Jesus, the one that does miracles, Jesus, the one that can heal, Jesus, the one that delivers, Jesus, the one that sets the captives free. He's in Bethany, which he shows up quite often in Bethany. If you read the Gospels, there's something about Bethany that Jesus always finds himself back there. I believe it was because of the community and it was because of the friendship that he had with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. He went to Bethany quite often. He showed up at Mary and Martha's house very often. And he would sit and eat with them. He would commune with them. He would fellowship with them. He loved Mary and Martha and Lazarus. He loved that city. He loved it. And one day Jesus is, he's out doing ministry and he gets word that, that one of his closest friends is sick. We know the story. Lazarus has fallen sick and Jesus is not in Bethany at the time because if Jesus would have been there at Bethany when, when Lazarus got sick, Lazarus would not have remained sick. But Jesus is elsewhere doing ministry and while Jesus is in another city, Lazarus in Bethany has gotten sick and he's on the verge of dying. Jesus gets word that Lazarus is sick and he's on the verge of dying. You and I would think that at that moment, because of the relationship that Jesus has with Lazarus, Jesus would have ran immediately into Bethany and healed Lazarus so that he would not die. But the Bible says that Jesus remained four days outside of the city of Bethany and he allowed Lazarus to die. Jesus could have went and healed him, but he did not. 
This confused the disciples because they didn't understand Jesus. I thought Lazarus was your friend. I thought you loved Lazarus. Why are you, why are you lingering? Why are you delaying going to the rescue of Lazarus? And I believe sometimes we don't know why God does what he does, but it's always, you listen to me, I don't care how bad it is, I don't care how difficult it may seem, it is always a setup for you to see the glory and the power of God in your life. I know right now you're crying and you're weeping and you don't understand. But I'm telling you, everything that you will ever face is always a setup for you to see something you did not see before. I look around and I don't always have an answer and I don't always understand why I have to face what I face or this church has to go through what it goes through. But all I know is I will not doubt, I will not give up. Why? Because I have learned through what I have read about what Jesus has the power to do. And even though it looks dead, even though it may look sick, and we may not think it'll ever do it it'll never get better I've come to tell you it is just a setup it is just a setup the setback it was a setup the sickness was a setup the hardship and the pain and the weeping it was just a setup why so that you might see a greater dimension of his glory and let me tell you what, whenever we go through difficulty, the difficulty is a doorway into greater dimensions of his glory. Jesus lingers for four days. Jesus knows he's sick. It's not looking good. <coughs> they sent word to Jesus, Jesus, you better hurry and get here now. Because if you don't get here, he's going to die. And what does Jesus do? He sits still and does nothing. But don't equate him doing nothing to him doing nothing. Because <laughs> even in him doing nothing, he's still doing something. <laughs> that's, that's God. He's not losing his mind. He's not worried. He's not, he's not saying, oh, God, Lazarus is going to die. Lord God, Lazarus is going to die. Matter of fact, you know what the Bible says? His disciples said, Lord, you better get to him. He's sick. Then he gets word again. Oh, it's too late. He already dead. And Jesus looked at one of his disciples, and you know what he said? He ain't dead. He's just sleeping. He's not dead. He's just sleeping. The disciples said he was dead. The servants that delivered the message said he's dead because that's how we see things. We always see the negative. We always see the worst of something. Jesus didn't see Lazarus as dead. Jesus only saw Lazarus as sleeping. All he needed to do was go and wake him up. <laughs> see death is final but sleeping means it will come back again <clears throat> I come to tell you it's not final it's just sleeping it is going to awake again the church it is not dead and God's not done with the church the church may be sleeping but there's coming a revival there's coming a move of God where Jesus is going to show up and he's going to say Lazarus come forth and there's going to be a great move and a great church that is going to arise and I've come to tell you it may look like the church is dead and it may look like the church is done and it may look like it's over, but I come to tell you tonight, Jesus says it's just sleeping and I believe Lazarus is a picture of the church right now. Lazarus is a picture of the church right now. I think Lazarus' name means the one whom Lord, the Lord helps. And I've come to tell you, Jesus is getting ready to come and help the church. We're not dead, We're, we may just be sleeping, but there is coming a great awakening 
when the church is going to hear the voice of the one who built it upon a rock. And when it begins to hear the voice of the one that created it, it is going to come out of the grave. Jesus said there's coming a day when those that are dead in the grave will hear his voice and they will arise out of the dust and out of the grave. I come to tell you there's getting ready to come a people, a church of God that is going to hear the voice in the secret place. And they're going to hear the voice and they're going to hear the sound of Jesus and they're going to awake. They're going to awake. Jesus said, they're not, he's not dead. He's just sleeping. He's just sleeping. So you know what Jesus does? He goes to Bethany. Finally, he goes to Bethany. I believe Jesus was really making it impossible. Because Jewish, the Jews believed and Jew, the Jews taught that the spirit of man rested in his body for three days, but on the fourth day, the spirit left completely. And after the fourth day, it was impossible for anybody to resurrect or come alive. So now you know why Jesus waited four. Because if he would have done it on day three, the Jews would have looked at him and said, oh, his spirit was still there. He just, got, he just woke himself up. <laughs> but Jesus waited four days. He wanted to make it so impossible that whenever he done it, they would know for a fact and without a doubt it was the glory of God that done it. <laughs> Jesus shows up. He looks at Mary and Martha and said, where have you laid Lazarus? They look at him and say, Lord, don't you know he stinks by now? Rigor mortis has begun to sit in. And I'm here to tell you, it may look like the church is dead and it may, it, there may be a lot of stink going on. <laughs> Come on. And I know I'm not the only one watching the news and seeing what's going on in the, in the church world. There is a lot of stinky stuff going on. There's a lot of corruption, a lot of ruin. There is a lot of decaying. There's a lot of mess going on in the church. But Jesus said, show me where you laid him. And that could speak to all of us individually. Because sometimes we have dreams that die and we have visions that die and we have aspirations that die and we have ministries that we think is gone and dead and done. But I've come to tell you, Jesus is saying tonight, I want somebody to show me where you laid it. I want you to show me where you gave up on it. I want you to show me where you said it would happen. I want you to take me and show me the place where you've been praying for that child and you have given up and you have given up on the promises and you've given up on the word and you've given up on the prayer. Jesus said, this is the moment. I'm here in Bethany now. Take me and show me where you laid it. Show me where you buried it. Show me where you buried that talent. Show me where you buried that gift. Show me where you buried that, that plan, that, that thing you had a desire for. Show me where you laid that prophecy when God spoke a word over your life and he said he would do something. But now you've buried it. You've had a funeral and you think it's over. I want to speak to this house right now. Because this house has had a lot of words and a lot of, and a lot of prophecies pro spoken over this house. And I'm going to tell you, I don't care how dead it looks and I don't care how stinky it gets. I've come to tell you Jesus is in the house and he's saying, Destiny, where have you laid it? Show me where you, take me where you laid it. Because I'm getting ready to do something you've never seen before. I know you thought it was never ha going to happen. And I know everybody around you has said this thing will never happen. You'll never see that prophecy. You're, it's done. This thing is dead. This thing is stinking. But I've come to tell you, I hear Jesus. He's saying, where have you laid? I'm getting ready to do something. I'm getting. This way, Jesus. This way, Jesus. Mary and Martha take him, the Bible says, to a cave. It didn't say grave, it says a cave. <coughs> a cave. 
And in that cave, they put the body of Lazarus and they wrote a stone in front of it. Not only is he dead, Joshua, not only has his spirit left his body, not only does, he, does it look impossible, not only is he stinking by now, his flesh is rotting. But now they put him in a cave and they wrote a stone. Looks pretty impossible to me. How do you see it? We see it as impossible. He sees it as an opportunity. We see it as a setback. He sees it as a setup. And what I see, I want you to get these, these visual, this, this spiritual vision with me tonight. Can you see? I know it's dead. I know the flesh is rotting. And I know it's really dark in the cave. But can you hear the sound of feet approaching? Can you hear the sound of feet approaching? This is not anybody approaching. This is the resurrection and the life. This is the one who created all things. This is the one who the Bible says he is, he in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was. This is God. And he's approaching the tomb. He's approaching the impossible thing. He's, he's approaching the dead thing. He's approaching. And he stops. He commands the servants, roll the stone away. The Bible says he begins to pray, not for himself, but for those that are listening to him because there was a lot of doubters around him. And I love what Jesus says. Jesus says, Lord, when I pray, you always hear me. <laughs> he says, but I'm praying not for myself. I'm praying for those that are listening that they would believe so that they might see the glory of God. What Jesus was getting ready to do, he said it would be a display of the glory of God. And not only would it be a display of the glory of God, but they would see it. Because at the moment they could not see it. Lazarus was dead. Lazarus was in a cave. He was in the dark. He was dead. He was rotting. It was hopeless. We can't see glory. All we see is gloom. But Jesus prayed a prayer. He told the servants, roll back the stone. And then the Bible says with a loud voice, he says, Lazarus, come forth. One preacher said one time, Jesus, it's a good thing that Jesus said Lazarus because if he would have just said come forth, every grave would have burst open and every dead man would have got up out of the grave. He says, Lazarus calls him by name. That, get, that got me right there. He called him by name. And I believe that God is getting ready to call some things by name. Because if he names it, it starts to live again. <laughs> I believe God is going to declare his original intention for your life. His intention was not for you to die. His intention was not for you to quit. His intention was not for you to rot away. His intention was not for the dream to die. He begins to say, Lazarus! He begins to speak at the thing that he, he originally intended it for, for it to be. I intended you for, to be Lazarus. He said Lazarus by name. And I believe God is getting ready to say some things by name that have been buried. He may look at you and call a kid out by name and say, why have you stopped praying for him? He may call out that dream, that vision, that word, and you better listen to him very clearly tonight because I believe it's the thing that he's going to call out that's going to be resurrected right here tonight. Maybe you're here tonight and it's been a long time since you've really encountered 
the joy of the Lord. But I can hear him right now saying, joy, come alive. Some of you, it's been a long time since you've had peace that passes understanding. Some of you, it's been a long time since you've had a good night's rest because of your mind being so worn out and tore, tore down. But I hear God saying, peace of mind, joy unspeakable and full of glory. Some of you, fear has, has destroyed you, but I hear God saying power and courage and authority is getting ready to arise and awaken in your life. Some of you, there's been some words, some prophecies from years ago that you have not seen and you, and you have given up on, but I hear Jesus saying, I'm speaking to every word. I'm speaking to every prophecy. I'm speaking to every declaration. I'm speaking to every prayer that you have prayed years ago. I heard you the first time you prayed it. And he said, I'm calling it by name. And that this is the season and this is the time that when I call its name, it's going to arise and it is going to come forth and it is going to be seen. And you are going to see and encounter the glory of the Lord. Now, I don't know about you. You can sit there and I'll praise him. But I come to tell you, I got some things that I had given up on. But I declare tonight, it's coming alive. It's coming forth. It's going to awaken. And it's coming out of the grave. It's coming out of the cave. It's coming out of the darkness. It's coming out. It's coming out. Maybe there's a ministry. You know you're supposed to do it but you've given up on it. Maybe there's a talent that you've hid and buried into your ground, but I hear the Lord say, come forth. It's the time. It's the season. And the Bible says, this is so crazy, because the Bible says, when Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth, Bob didn't come. Charlie didn't come. Lazarus came. Because that's the one he called forth. <coughs> He's specific. He says, Lazarus, come forth. And guess who came out of the cave? On his own volition. Now, mind you, you probably had to hop because they bound them pretty, pretty tight in those days with grave clothes or cloth. So he came out jumping. Because when life hits you, you don't care what you look like. <laughs> Hallelujah. Because when you know you were dead, but now you're alive, how many knows you don't care who's watching? You don't care who's in the room. You don't care if you jump, you dance, you squirm, you run, you shout, you look crazy. You know that once you were dead, but now you are alive because you heard your name. <laughs> Hallelujah. That's what some people need. We wouldn't be so dead in the church if we would ever hear our name called saying, come forth. Say, preacher, why are you hollering? Jesus did. He cried with a loud voice. No wonder so many people are dead in the church because we got dead preachers. I like what one preacher said. He said, I come to scream in your ear what he whispered in mine. <laughs> That's what I come to do. I come to scream so that everything in you might be shaken. I come, to, I come to make a sound and declare my voice. I come to turn up the volume of victory. I come to, to turn up the volume of life. I, because, why? Because death has been loud enough. Fear has been loud enough. Worry and depression and discouragement has been loud enough. It's time for somebody else to cry out and make a decision and make a loud declaration. We are going to speak life and not death. We're gonna have revival. We're gonna see resurrection. We're gonna see a move of God. Lazarus is coming forth. Things are coming out of the grave. 
<laughs> what are we what are we be, what are we watching right now? Death is being silenced by a greater sound called life. The church was meant to be louder. When we start to be silent, things will take our voice. Hallelujah. There's coming a cry, and it's a great cry, and it's a loud sound. We've been too quiet in the church. We've been too calm in the church. Come on. Come on. Come on. We got to turn up the volume. We got to turn up the volume. Jesus cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. He didn't come to play games. He didn't come to go through a show. He didn't come to be cute or nice. He come to see that which is dead, come back to life. And I come to tell the devil, I didn't come to play church. I come to declare with a loud voice. Bible says Lazarus comes and he's making all kinds of movement because that's what happens when Jesus speaks things start to move everything of this everything that held Lazarus in that grave when Jesus said come forth had to let him go darkness had to let him go Death had to let him, let him go. Not just that, but he was stinking by now. Meaning his flesh began to rot. Not only did the darkness have to let him go, not only did death have to let him go, but corruption had to let him go. <laughs> Woo! Corruption had to let him go, and the Bible says, and he comes out jumping out of there he comes out of that grave and Jesus notices something even though he's alive the Bible says he's still bound by grave clothes is it possible that you can be alive and still bound by something that you just went through <laughs> is it possible to come to church and raise your hands and still have the grave clothes of a past experience. Can, can you still be a lover of God and then be bound too? Hallelujah, I feel the Holy Ghost right now because I believe healing's coming right now. Because it is possible for you to hear your name and for you to come alive and for th from things to let you go and then also be bound by certain other things that you, ex that you experience in a past, a past season. Not only, not, listen, not only was his body bound, but the Bible said there was a napkin over his face. It's one thing to be bound, but it's a whole, a whole other thing when you don't feel like you've got a voice. <laughs> Ephraim, he was bound and he was silenced. But he was alive. How many people in the church, they're alive, but yet they're bound and they're silenced? if people really knew what I was going through. I understand we shout about him coming out of the grave, but I want to tell you, there's coming a season, not just where people are going to live again. There's coming a season where God is getting ready to deal with some grave clothes and some face napkins that are binding us and keeping us silenced. <laughs> He 
He was bound and he was silenced. Because that's what bondage, bondage does. It not, only, it, only, it not only hinders you, but it takes your voice. If I say something, I'll get judged. And the fact is, it's you saying something that gets you delivered. But what does the enemy do? He convinces us to not say anything because they might get judged. And it's true. Can, can we just deal with a taboo topic tonight? It's true, because a lot of people in the church, they think they're perfect and they're religious, and if you did share anything with them about the things that you're going through, they will judge you and they will look at you different. And it should not be in the house of God. But I'm glad Jesus was there. I'm glad the people were not there. Because if he would have came in those grave clothes and that face napkin, he may have never gotten loosed. Oh, a lot of people don't preach on this, but let me say something about this. Because the Bible says that after Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, you go on and read on, on, on through John 11 down to John chapter 12. The Bible says that after Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, guess what happened? The Bible says the pharaohs, the, the, the Pharisees sought to kill Lazarus. Jesus just raised a dude from the, from the grave. But the Pharisees are seeking to kill him? That's what religion does. It don't like you to be free. It don't like you to have life and joy and peace. It wants to kill you and put you back into bondage. I think it's because they didn't get the credit. Because that's what religion wants. It wants to credit. I don't care how you come, I don't care how you come alive. I don't care who calls your name. I don't care who laid hands on you. I'm just glad and rejoice you're alive. But I'm gonna tell you what the next season's gonna be. It's not just a dead church coming alive. It's a bound silence church that is getting ready to get loosed. Because <laughs> Jesus did not leave him just in a living state alone. The Bible says Jesus looked at him. He didn't speak to Lazarus. He spoke to the grave clothes. And he said, loose him and let him go. Can I say something? People are getting ready to get delivered from the mask and the fakeness. Because I'm, listen, every time I go into the prayer closet, I hear the Lord begin to, he deals with fakeness and pretense and acting the part. And I hear God saying, I'm getting ready to expose the mask and the facade and the masquerade. I'm getting ready to deal with it. Not, not for the sake of exposure, but so that our voice and our lives can have power because we, we, we are powerless through our pretensions. Oh, I just heard the whole... I don't want to be pretense. I want to be intense. <laughs> I don't want to be fake. I want to be fire. <laughs> How do you do that? You got to lose the mask and the, and the facade and the masquerade and let God deal and expose it so that you might be the real deal, the real thing. And when you become the real thing, there is a fire that will be kindled and ignited in you that will spread all over the place. And I believe that the reason why we have not seen a, a real revival is because people are, are masquerading in facades and masks. They come to church, but yet it's the, they're dealing with fakeness and pretensions. But I believe God is getting ready to lose some people from being fake. And he's getting ready to call them into a real dimension of his glory and presence and power. 
he says, loose him and let him go. And the Bible says the grave clothes came off of him. It loosed him. The Bible says, for this purpose was the Son of God manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. How many ever read that? For this purpose, the Son of God was manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. For this purpose was the Son of God manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. For this purpose. You say, preacher, why you keep saying? Because I want you to get this in your mind. For this purpose. What purpose did Jesus come? He came for this purpose. He manifested, he was manifested for this purpose that he might destroy. Everybody say destroy. That he might destroy the works of the devil. Can, can I show you something? That word destroy, you know what it means in the Greek? To loose and untie. You don't believe me? Go look it up. So let's read it like this. For this purpose was the Son of God manifest that he might loose and untie the works of the devil in our lives. So when Jesus came, everywhere he went, he was unloosing and he was untying things. And it could be no different when he showed up in Bethany and saw Lazarus bound in grave clothes. It, he, it was his purpose. It was his reason for manifesting himself to look at Lazarus and say, Lazarus, you got to be loosed and it's got to let you go because where wherever I am, everything that binds you and bounds you and keeps you tied up has to let you go. That's why I don't want programs. I don't want gimmicks. I just want Jesus. Because if we got the real Jesus, when people come in here bound, they'll be loosed and untied and their fetters and chains will break. <clears throat> not because we got pretty programs and not because we got eloquence of speech or a display of man's wisdom, but because we got Jesus. Because I'm telling you, you, if you're looking for a pretty church, you, you're not going to find it here coming soon. Because <clears throat> church is getting ready to be real ugly and real messy. I'll just tell you right now, a long, I gave up on pretty and proper a long time ago when it came to preaching. Got real quiet right there. <laughs> you know why? Because prime and proper don't get nobody loosed. Going through the motions and having a little 40-minute service, and then we all go home and hit the fried chicken buffet. Don't, ain't getting nobody delivered. Having a little social club where we come and pass out our business cards so we might get some prospects for more business. Ain't going to get it. Coming for girlfriend and boyfriends. Ain't going to cut it no more. Church is not just about us coming and getting relationships, which is fine. Yes, we are family. Yes, we have relationship. But here's what we're here to do. We are here to see the glory of the Lord. We are here to see people bound, be loose in the name of Jesus. We're here to see chains broken. We're here to see devils casted out. <coughs> and let me tell you, when you start to see those things, it will get messy. Think about it with me just for a moment. Jesus looks at Lazarus and says, to the grave clothes, loose him and let him go. Guess what was laying on the ground? Grave clothes. Religion would say, pick up your clothes, you're making a mess in the church. And we're saying, bring your mess in the church and lay it on the ground, because we don't care. We want you loose in the name of Jesus. One, one year, I was preaching a youth revival, and I wrapped myself so tight in toilet paper, you couldn't have put another piece of toilet paper on me. I looked like a big, huge, giant Q-tip. And I tried to, you remember that, Mary? I had some other, some other people that was wrapped up in toilet paper, and, and, and I, I preached a message called, Rip It Off. And I, I kid you not, by the time we got done, Ripping off all that toilet paper, you ought to sing. That church was a mess. 
I, I feel sorry for the person that had to clean that thing up. But we're going to have a ministry in here just to clean up what God loosed. <laughs> just to clean up because we have such a mess because people are getting delivered. I don't know if you want that. That's what I want. Not only do I want it, but I'm going to see it. We're going to see it here. I don't care who comes or goes. We're going to see it here. I don't have a watch. I'm sorry if I've gone over time, but I don't have a watch tonight. <laughs> what time is it? What time is it? Oh, wait, I got the time right here. All right. <laughs> Jesus looks at Lazarus, says, loose him and let him go. I have a funny imagination. <laughs> if the boy was wrapped in grave clothes and they loosed him, what was he wearing after that? You gotta, you gotta flow with me here because I'm not just reading the text, I'm reading underneath the layers of the text. Meaning this, if he put off something, <laughs> if he put off something, if Jesus looked at the grave clothes and said you gotta loose him and let him go and they came off of him, I believe at that moment he became a prime candidate from the, for the garment and the robe and the wardrobe and the glory and the power that Jesus wanted to give him. Because if you put off something, that means also you got to put on something. <laughs> and I believe this is the time that we are getting, we are stepping into where we are putting off some things so that we can put on some things. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, he says that you put off concerning the former conversation of the old man. <clears throat> I believe that the grave clothes that Lazarus was, was donning when Jesus declared him alive, I believe they are a picture of the old man. And Paul says, when you come alive, you are to put off the former conversation of the old man. He says, the old man, watch, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. Corruption, you know what the word corruption means? To decay, to rot, to ruin. What did they say about Lazarus? He is stinking, corrupt, dead by now. But when he came up out of that, that, that cave and Jesus loosed him and let him go, he let loose and let go of the corruption. He put it off. Paul says, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you might what? Put on the new man. Once you put off the old, you are now, you now qualify to put on the new. You can't put on the new until you do what? Put off the old. The old what? The old former conversation. Former means previous. Conversation means manner of life. Your previous manner and conduct of life before your conversion. You say, preacher, I want a new thing. God says you gotta let go of the old, former, previous manner of life called the old man. <clears throat> and be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness I want to say this we are alive in Christ not dead in sins therefore we are to put off the old man 
and put on the new man. Watch this. This is what the Lord said to me. We are to take off the grave clothes and put on the grace clothes. You are to put off the grave clothes so that you can don and wear a clothing called grace. For by grace are you saved through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. It is a gift of God. None of us here can take credit for the life that we have. It was given to us by grace. So everywhere I go, if I wear this, I don't wear grave clothes. I wear grace clothes. Everybody that looks at me knows it had to be the grace of God. Because <laughs> if you would have known me before, you'd let, you'd, and, and now know me now, you have to say, man, look, he had, he's really donning the grace and the wardrobe of grace. I just want to read some things here and then I'm, I'm going to close. I want to read some different translation of Ephesians chapter 4, verses 22 through 24. Listen to what the Amplified says. It says, strip yourselves of your former nature, put off and discard your old, unrenewed self, which characterized your previous manner of life and becomes corrupt through lust and desires that spring from delusion. Do you know what brings death? Chasing delusions. Sin and the pleasures of it is only a delusion. Sin is pleasurable for a moment, but then death begins to set in. Every one of us here tonight died in our sins because we were chasing delusions things that were not real promises that were not real guarantees that were not real they were delusional I looked up the word delusion you know what it means? schizophrenia when you get saved you can see the delusion It may look good out there for a moment, but I'm going to tell you, it's just a mirage and it's just a delusion. It's trying to draw us away. And people that, that are lured by those delusions are the ones that are dying right now. And they don't even know it. Because it slowly, corruption, listen, corruption don't happen over, over, it doesn't happen overnight. It happens progressively. Chasing one delusion after the next, after the next. I see people leave church chasing a delusion, things that are not even real, don't even have real joy to real life in it. Delusional relationships. He said he loved me. Listen, girls, that's right. Hear what I say. If he says this, he loves you, it is delusional. Boys, if she says... She loves this delusion. <laughs> it's just a delusion. <laughs> Here's what the Passion Translation says. It says, and he has taught you, talking about Jesus, to let go of the lifestyle of the ancient man, the old self-life, which was corrupt, corrupted by sinful and deceitful desires that spring from delusions. And then I read from Francis Dutrois. He's got, he's got a, a Bible out called the Mirror Bible. And um, a lot of stuff in there, it's, it's a little weird, but I do like some of the translations that he gives of the text. He says, for in the truth of your union in him and his death and resurrection, you have stripped off that old identity like a filthy, worn-out garment. Ignorance and lust corrupted you and cheated you into wearing it in the first place. God. The delusion deceived you to wear a garment you were never meant to wear. Lazarus, 
You wore a garment that it was never God's intentions for you to wear. But because we chase delusions, we end up wearing garments we were never meant to wear. He wrote a note that said this. He said, just like an actor who wore a cloak for a specific role he had to interpret, the fake identity is no longer relevant. That old life was a lie foreign to our design. Those garments of disguise are now thoroughly stripped off us in our understanding of our union with Christ in his death and resurrection. We are no longer obliged to live under the, <coughs> excuse me, under, uh, no longer, um, Obliged to live under the identity and the rule of the robes we were before. Neither are we cheating anyone through false pretensions. The garments an actor would wear define, wear define his part in the play but cannot define him. Meaning that an actor would switch garments depending on what role he would play and the, and the, and the garment and the robe would, de- would, would determine his, his role. His robe would, would determine his, ro- his uh, role. Robe determined the role. Can I give you some examples? In the Bible times, there was a group of people, people that would sit by the wayside and they would beg. You knew that they were, they were beggars. Why? Because they wore a certain type of robe. It was a striped, worn-out robe, and you knew that they were a beggar because of the garment that they wore. Their robe determined their role. But one day, the Bible says, there came a man coming into Jericho, and his name was Jesus. He's going into Jericho, and there was a man begging by the wayside by the name of Bartimaeus, and he was blind. Jesus is walking in Jericho that day. He never intended to deliver a man from blindness. He was going to Jericho, but Bartimaeus heard Jesus coming by. In Lazarus' story, Jesus goes to Lazarus and cries out. In this story, in Mark chapter 10, there's a man by the wayside begging. Here's Jesus. Jesus doesn't come to the man, the man goes to Jesus and screams at Jesus. Could it be possible that sometimes Jesus will come and deliver people? And I believe that is the initial deliverance that we all get when we're born again. We come from death into life. But there are people who need something even after they're saved. And we're waiting on Jesus to scream again. And Jesus is waiting on you to holler and possess it. <laughs> but what do we do? We sit by the wayside and we let it go right by us because we think we're always going to wear the robe and that will always be our identity and our role in life. But I've come to tell you, when you hear Jesus coming by, it may not be that Jesus will make a big loud clash and and scream and yell and make a loud sound around you. It may be you will have to do it. There may be some times whenever you need God to move and you want to come out of that garment. I feel the Holy Ghost. Maybe the enemy has has deceived you to wear something that you were never meant to wear. You know what you got to do? When you hear Jesus coming, when you feel Jesus coming, you know what you need to do? Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. You know what happened? As always, you got religion there. Bartimaeus just act like he didn't even hear him. That's what we need in the church. We need some people who will ignore religion and what people think and say, I didn't come here for you. I come here for the one that's coming by. Jesus, 
Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Bible, I, isn't it amazing? I love this. Blind Bartimaeus stopped Jesus. Somebody's calling on me. And the Bible says he turns around and he looks at blind Bartimaeus. He knows he's blind, but he says, what do you want me to do for you? Not everybody gets, to, gets that question from God. What would you do with that question tonight? If you was to praise him and glorify him, see, not everybody gets asked that question. Only those that are willing to break the status quo, that don't care what anybody else thinks, that are willing to make a sound and not be silent, those are the ones who Jesus stops for and says, what do you want me to do for you today? Because whatever it is, I'll do it. Whatever, I don't care how impossible, I will do it. And by Bartimaeus looked at him and said, I want my sight. He said, by your faith, you are made healed. You are made whole. I love this. And the Bible says, I feel the Holy Ghost right here. And the Bible says that when he heard those words, his eyes immediately were open. And I love what the Bible says. And the Bible says, and he took off his garment and he threw it away. And he began to walk with Jesus. I heard somebody say one time that where Jesus was going, he was getting ready to go and he was getting ready to partake of the triumphal entry where he would, he would ride a donkey and people would throw their, 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 their garments and their cloaks for Jesus to ride on. I believe, I believe what really happened is he took that garment and he threw it on the floor so that Jesus could walk on it. Hallelujah. And I've come to tell you, I believe we're stepping into a season where we're not just gonna hear Jesus say, come alive, but we're gonna hear people begin to raise their voice and say, Jesus, I will not miss my moment for a miracle and a breakthrough. I will not let this robe define my identity or my role in life. I'm casting it aside. I got so much here, but stand to your feet. Thank you for joining us for today's message. You can continue being a part of all that God is doing here at Destiny Church. You can text to give at 828-662-3453. Or you can give online at destinyauto.com. That's destinyotto.com. We would love for you to also subscribe to Your Destiny Podcast and for you to also share this podcast with family and friends. And again, thank you for joining us.